Hi, John Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hello. for joining us. Thank you for um, having me. Could you just tell us a little bit about your background and, and what, what it is you do? Uh, yeah. So I um, originally trained in biology and did a bit of further conservation uh, training, um, but then ended up being a professional illustrator for many, many years. Um, and then really um, my work now started when Laudato C came out and um, me, my brother and my friend Ellie decided that the church really hadn't, it had very little impact on the church. So we really just decided to start going around um, parishes and schools and really trying to unpack what was in this uh, document the Pope wrote on care for our common home. Um, and really, yeah, just trying to get the the church acting on it. And since then, our group, the Ecological Co Conversion Group, has become a charity. Um, and we now have a project called The Journey to 2030, which really aims to help um, the church um, and its parishes and communities to address our ecological and social crisis, uh, mainly through community building. Yeah. No, so that's a, your main thing that you're doing now is is going out into into parishes and and trying to encourage them to, to you know, learn and talk about the data C and that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and, and finding um, really creative ways of getting them to respond and trying to fire up people's imaginations. Yeah. Can you give any examples of the sort of thing that you're doing in that way? Um, yeah, so we, we've been going around doing, um, trying to get um, networks of parishes, deaneries working together. So to try and form um, networks between them, and we've been putting on um, what we call Let Us Stream Days after the Pope's book during lockdown. And, um, yeah, so we get we get the, the colouring pens out and ask people to... We pose the question um, that transition towns use, which is if you had done everything you possibly could between now and the year 2030, um, you know, what would your community look like? What would you want your community to have achieved, to have looked like in you know, in, in response to caring for our neighbour and caring for our common home. Um, so we get them to really have a really big, long-term, huge vision of what they want the whole community to look like. So not just looking at solar panels on the roofs, but what do they want the functioning of their community to look like, having tried achieving their, their long-term vision. Yeah, right, so it's a huge subject and an important subject, something that I think we all agree on that we, we need to look at. And this is obviously a new way or a different way of approaching it. So um, that's, that's great to hear. Is, you know, climate change and the environment, is that something that you've always been interested in or was it was it Laudato Si or something that sparked your interest in it? No, I think I've, I've always been really, really interested in the environment. And I remember even like lessons at primary school. I remember learning about the, you know, the rate that the rainforest was being cut down um, and you know visiting the you know the Thames barrier and things like that in in primary school so it's always been something that's been there and I've always wanted to work with um, really in conservation I think has really always really piqued my interest and I've always um, so we grew up you know growing vegetables and things like that so connection to the outside world was a massive massive part of part of my childhood really yeah and then I guess it's just developed as you've you know, involved with with the church, and obviously yep. now with the the yep. ecological conversion. Yeah. How did you arrive at that? You know that this was you thought this would be a way that people could act and think about changing uh, their actions to you know to, to combat climate change. Well, it was really. I think I was I was I've always cared about the environment, and you know I did did my education in it, but it was really 
um, I felt quite dispirited. So I should have said to the last question, actually, you know, when Laudato C came out, it was like sort of my answer, my my thinking had been putting, had, had kind of been answered and that there was now someone had written authoritatively on, on this. And I've forgotten what the question was. Could you remind me? No, it was just because I, so, I was leading into it. So. That's, that's okay. Yeah. It was just basically how obviously you'd, you'd have had this interest in the environment and you'd done your, your yeah. education in that. Um, but then how did you get to the point of thinking, oh, ecological conversion, that could be a good way to, to you know, to have a real impact? Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I was going. The um, So I, in voluntary work abroad, it was really, really obvious the the impact of, you know, what we would call a Western consumerist culture in, in these places and I thought well actually this conservation work really it, it, it's one part of a bigger puzzle and actually there's a huge need back home to change the way the lifestyles the businesses and things back home work because it, it you know the, the two things were completely linked and I, I just saw that like the the potential of the church in in changing you know, creating the change that we needed to see in the world, this global family, because when I was volunteering abroad, the, you know, you really got that sense of global family. Um, and that's really started my journey on this to understanding the ecological conversion. And I must say, we didn't even understand the word ecological conversion really when we named ourselves the Ecological Conversion Group. And that was, that was a mistake really on a way to, well, not a mistake, maybe an act of the spirit, but we were on our way to the Conference of Youth before one of the COP conferences. And we had to, we were presenting and we had to come up with a name. And Ellie said ecological conversion group. So we put it down. And since then, it's kind of become absolutely central to everything because it links, you know, the the, the spiritual, the personal, absolutely the environmental, the social, it links it all together so perfectly um, that, yeah. No, does that answer the question? It's like no, it's, no, no, it certainly does. It says, and I think yeah. that's exactly it. You know, this case with all sort of phrases or name tags when they're sort of born it doesn't necessarily mean anything but actually once you've explained it if it's in yeah. if it's imperfectly tapped to what it is you touched on there that you've spent time volunteering abroad mm. um did you and you, you spoke about how you could see how it affects everybody mm. what sort of things did you see over there firstly where did you go and what sort mm. of things did you see um you know you saw the impact of of climate change and, and how it's affecting mm. people in these communities. Mm. So I think uh, lots of very, very different varied things. It's not just climate change, but lots of the negative impacts are very much linked to climate change as causes of or reducing abilities to, you know, to, to live with climate change. But the two places I went were Madagascar and Uganda. And these were um, a while ago now. But there was, in terms of seeing the impacts, there was... Um, there was the very obvious one, um, and this wasn't necessarily climate change, but the deterioration of environment in the amount of um, pollution from goods that we were either throwing away, that were finding their way there and were completely useless, or the amount of packaging that there wasn't the system to deal with because the economy there would work in a very, very different way. They'd have a circular economy and there was all these packeted goods coming in and everyone was just burning them and you know, in, the, in, the, in their gardens. But there were some really, really quite serious um, things as well, like, um, you know, some sort of uh, carbon crediting reforestation projects and seeing actually the effects being told 
you know, by these people that they'd had they'd had to clear the area of villages of of people out of the way. You know, these were people that we had probably put in there to to you know to work in shipping goods back home, and they were re-putting these these managed forests in and forcing people out. So there was this real impact of the goods being stripped from here, going home, and then we're dictating how they you know how they live now. And it was, um, I remember speaking to my um, uh, language teacher in Madagascar and he said, you know, he found out I played guitar and he said, oh, what guitar do you have? And I told him the, the make of it and he said, oh, yeah, you know, they've just been caught illegally, you know, deforesting all our mahogany and rosewood to make our guitars. And it was like, you know, so I was sitting there with this luxury product at home that really was, you know, my life was so linked to the symptoms back home and... All of these things, of course, a lot of these things reduce people's ability to adapt and live with climate change. But then also I've maintained good friends with uh, both of the times. So Madagascar and Uganda, they were both experiencing very unusual droughts. Um, and I've kept in contact with a lot of um, people from there and around the world who, who, who met on some of these courses. And... Um, yeah, so listening to them and saying how they haven't had any rain for however many months and that the well is, is getting lower and even speaking to them, um, you know, just, just maintaining these, these relationships, you kind of start hearing a, a very different life that yeah. so many people are living. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I mean, it's something that we don't realise, I think, until either you say you go out there or you read about it even that perhaps doesn't have quite the same impact as hearing it firsthand or seeing it firsthand mm. the, the point you mentioned there about the guitar is mm. that's probably told time and time again over you know mm. for, it probably affects everybody and, mm. and without them realizing it um actually sorry on on that the um there was there was a more startling item that i did okay. find there was a there was um there was a supermarket in the capital in madagascar and there was a very luxury product which was a tin of sweet corn Right. Yeah, you know, in a country where you could probably grow sweet corn nearly all year, yeah. and I looked at the can and it said it was from West Sussex. <laughs> so it was in a South African, you know, uh, supermarket, and the can on it said West Sussex, which is where I'm from, which was again quite a startling item that made me think a lot. Yeah, I think it must you must have been, you know, feeling that something can't be right here if that's mm. if that's the case. You say when the, mm. the potential there to to grow the stuff and to produce it but various reasons it's it's, it's not that and that's hopefully something we, we hope to change um obviously we, we we speak a lot about how faith and religion can can help or can influence um our work uh, in these sort of areas how has your faith influenced your approach to to working with the environment um i think it's kind of been a bit of a two-way approach really because i think I think my knowledge of the environment and my experiences with the environment have also informed my faith. So it's, it's um, you know, the, the beauty of what I see around me and when I have that encounter with the global family have really, they, they, that has really, really helped in my faith journey. But then I think the faith for me is, is absolutely central to the way that we tackle, um, the, the, you know, this environmental problem. Um, and I think... I think this is why I love Laudato Si so much is, you know, it puts it puts it all into a faith context. Um, you know, and it's that whole, you know, in Catholic social teaching, we have that, um, you know, looking at how 
um, you know, we're all made in the image and likeness of God, and all creation has has a goodness, and they both come from the same source. So the you know the interaction between the human and the and the and the rest of the environment are all from all from God, and they all exist in relation to one another, which I think yeah basically should inform. I think that's that's exactly it, and I think you, you're right that it's always been a point the two have sort of gone together. Um, hand in hand you know when you read the bible or you read mm. passages you know, yeah it makes sense but actually now we've had somebody come out in the pope and, and release these documents mm. um where it's as you say it's written down in quite a clear way that people can understand mm. um obviously we've mentioned about laudato si and the recent follow-up laudato deum could you tell listeners a little bit about what it says in these documents don't just do all of it obviously they're yeah, quite big yeah, yeah. but you know if you could I, do some of the key points about what's what's in these these documents that, that that could be quite useful yeah i think i think it's i think it's important to say that there's nothing necessarily new except for what's happening at this particular time in them in terms of the theology um but really i think importantly both of these documents really present the environment not as a subject on its own but as a you know how how society operates, how we interact with one another as humans within within the environment that we all we all share. Um, I think really that my the thing I love so much about it is if I can condense it into a main point that it's it's two ways of looking at the world. You've got um, one of them is as the name suggests, Laudato Si. It's praise be. You know. Um, just thanking God and have this sense of awe and wonder at all of the creation and then how that, um, and even how it, how it sustains and governs us. So knowing that we are sustained and governed by the creation that we're part of um, and how that informs your actions. But then having this, um, Pope Francis really pointing out that that's not the dominant way of thinking today. The dominant way of thinking is what he would call this technocratic paradigm so this way that we, how we think about the world, how we act with the world is informed really by what is technologically possible. Um, and really it's it's through this lens of what's possible that dictates what our normal behaviour is. Um, and really, I think he, he really, if if you don't have time to read all of it, just read the first two paragraphs of Lidl's C because in the second one he really points out these repercussions of this, this way of thinking. Um, and he suggests that we've come to see ourselves as lords and masters, entitled to plunder the earth and, and people at will, um, and that this is this is really from sin. This is a sickness in our hearts, and this sickness in our hearts becomes evident in the world around us. And I think really, really fundamentally, um, that we as humans have forgotten that we are creatures. Yeah. No, I, I think it's that's a, that's a good point. You know, putting that responsibility back mm. on us and sort of making it clear that we can't just sit around and wait for something to change because that, that won't happen. Um, you know, we need to act now and we need mm. to act quickly and decisively. Mm. For those people who perhaps haven't read Laudato Si, Laudato Deum, or perhaps you know, won't get the opportunity to, are there any other ways that you can think of that people could try and educate themselves or inform or learn about the environment as a whole or you know, climate change issues in particular? Yeah, well, I think I think... Before we skip Laudato Dame, Laudato Dame is a very short, it is yeah. very short document yeah. and very succinct and worth reading if you're not going to read the whole of Laudato Si. But definitely read the first two chapters of Laudato Si. Mm -hmm. um, I think getting outside, 
is one of the best ways of informing yourself. I think if you spend enough time, you know, if you get off your screens, get outside and, um, you know, you start noticing things. You'll notice things come early or things come late. There's a season to it. And I think this is, a, a um, you know, a fundamental type of education that's kind of missing. This really informal, experiential education of just being outside, being present, seeing, you know, and seeing who you bump into, what you bump into. Um, I think there's obviously lots of, if you want up-to-date current information, signing up to newsletters from certain organisations is really, really helpful. I'm sure you've got one. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like we, to plug. Yeah, well, no, we're uh, obviously we're sending out yeah weekly, weekly newsletters during uh, our campaign running up to to COP twenty eight, and then uh, yeah, after that, of course, yeah, we do have a, a monthly newsletter which you know always sort of mentions about uh, the environment and how people can can get involved there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's, there's 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 a number of really good ones. Like there's the unearthed um, newsletter is good. it gives a really good weekly update. I mean, there's 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 so many good books. So many good books on the topic, but I think I think not to go away from just learning about climate change, but also the the ecological aspect of it, because I think we can get so uh, wrapped up in a particular way of doing things. Because the technocratic paradigm that Pope Francis talks about, really, we end up in a pattern of normal behaviour that we think is is normal, but isn't. So. You know, the way technology has changed the way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact with the world over, and it's just skyrocketing. What You know, Pope Francis has called this rapidification. We're going faster and faster and faster, especially with AI and things. The way that we interact, whether it's through screens, whether it's where we buy things, whether it's, you know, where these things come from, the people who produce the stuff, um, we're connected in so many different ways. So, so not just learning about perhaps climate change, but... This um, this ecological conversion is really really key, and really learning to care about things, encountering things, and actually you know learning to you know take that suffering as you know not just seeing things on a screen, but actually saying well that's 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 actually suffering. That's um, um, something I need to personally respond to. I need to change something in my life. If I'm to serve God and put God back at the centre of my life, then I need to do, and that that's an educational process in itself. Learning, you know, learning the different ways that we interact with, with the world, and actually questioning how we use technology and asking um, what technology is. So I do lots of lots of talks in schools, and when when I talk, I ask them three fundamental questions that I ask them to ask themselves every day, mm-hmm. as a means of of education. One of them is, how have I relied on nature today? How have I, you know, how am I dependent on or appreciated nature today? Um, the other one is, um, how have I, you know, how many times have I relied on my neighbour? What has my neighbour done for me today to start thinking about the the wider? Um, you know, s- supply chains or interactions with direct neighbours, with family. But then also, what is technology? Because if I ask you what is what is technology, could you give me an answer? And I I don't think so because it's such a broad <laughs> a broad thing. You know, and actually, when you take a step back to to think about it, yeah, yeah like you know, get the dictionary definition out. But mm. what what are some of the answers that you've got when you've uh, when you've asked this, or do you have a, a stock response for them when they've when they've come back to you? I do. I do have a stock response, but I've got some. I've had some. I've had some absolutely brilliant ones, uh-huh. and actually, some of the younger children have come back with some of the best answers. 
and more baffling questions. Mm -hmm. But um, I think usually they start mentioning types of technology. Yeah. Um, which is, and I say, well, that's, you know, that's a type of technology, but what is it? And I've had some really, really good answers. And some questions, my favourite question was, are sheepdogs technology? Well, I guess if we're thinking in the sense of, like, electronic modern technology, obviously not. But if it's, you know, something that helps you achieve mm. a goal and you're using them for that, mm. then maybe yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the, the answer I would give would be to go back to, um, and again... If you, you were asking about, you know, what forms of way can we educate ourselves? And actually, films are great. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love science fiction and things. And 2001 A Space Odyssey mm -hmm. presents it really nicely. Because where the, um, at, right at the beginning of the film, we've got these um, ape cavemen. And it's like when they first discover they can use a bone as a tool. And he realizes that he's got more power over his fellow apes. Um, and he can use that tool. So it's really this whatever you can't do with your own bare hands, but something that allows you to manipulate the environment around you. Yeah. So technology really, this ability to manipulate the world around us and being able to educate ourselves on how we're doing that. Um, so, yeah, I think exploring that through films is a great idea as well. Yeah, well, I think that. Yeah. I mean, m most people like films. Um, I think, so, and it's a good way, as I think, as you say, of, of, of being able to, you know, ingest things without perhaps being, you know, just looking at loads and loads of words on a on a page, for example. It's it's, it's a good good introduction at very least. Um, obviously, we've we've spoken about how we need to do stuff. Um, you know, things need to change. And again, obviously, another huge question here, but. Why is it important from what you've seen about why we do that? You know, essentially, what obviously we can't all predict the future, but from what you've read, from what you've learned, what will happen if we don't change anything? You know, what what, what will the future look like? Uh, not great. No, I don't think. <laughs> no, it's. Um, I think that the, the, there's there's really two very good reasons, and I don't know if they're the same reason as to why we should why we should change. Um, and that comes back to the loving of neighbor and the goodness of creation so what we're seeing is irreversible change to to, to our planet and to the to the to the life that's on it um and you know every single time we lose a species or you know look at the suffering of livestock animals or you know these are this is this is a loss this is a um it's an affront to god's creation really it's it's um yeah every, every single loss is a is a tragedy um you know we can see the way that relationships work in nature that actually you know the more species we lose that has a detriment on the whole stability of the ecosystem um you know and because like we said before this the the goodness of creation and the dignity of the human person are are, are linked we have to ask the question, you know, who is my neighbour? Um, you know, are we are we loving our neighbours? And, you know, we can say, well, the way that we're living today with all our modern technology and the way that we interact with one another in the world around us, we could say, well, we could maintain our current lifestyles and some of us will be okay. Um, but you've got to look like right now, like there are people right now suffering and you must see them all, you know, through um, the work in, in Jesuit missions. Um, and we can say, well, 
you know, it's okay for some people to suffer. It's okay to have a little bit of suffering, but actually, can you? Can can you make that decision? If if I have an ability to change something in my life, or an ability to stand up for someone, you know, is is my own comfort, is my own luxury? Lots of these false luxuries, things like you know, phones or the way we eat, um, really, you know, am, am I? Am I a Christian in anything but sacraments? Or I think that's perhaps controversial, but I think it's a point worth making that if I'm not going to change my life to stop the suffering of one of my neighbours, who, as we've discussed, like the whole world is now our neighbour through, you know, because we there's nothing we can do that doesn't have an effect on someone, whether it's shopping, whether it's um, where our food comes from, because we're, we've become so divorced from the world around us that actually every single thing, the, every, nearly all our interactions are through technology or economy or markets, and they all have effects on people. So, if we say we don't, we're not going to change this. Are we? Are we Christians? I think it's a, a very fair point. You may say it's mm. controversial. I think it's completely fair that it's very easy for people to say this is bad or you know that this is going on but to then bury their head in the sand and not do anything about it is almost just as bad as you know you know not being aware of it at all so uh yeah. and i think you're right unless you're willfully ignorant you there's no way you're not going to know that something's going mm. on in parts of the world but you think oh it doesn't affect me well, it's miles away but mm. that's not really the approach we should look to take, I don't think. Um, I think it's it's even in this country as well. You got to be pretty blind to realise what was going on this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, I think this um, they did a study on um, how many people die from the heat above baseline of previous decades. And I know last year it was it was um, around four thousand people in this country died extra because of heat alone, and they reckon that's a conservative estimate. And I don't know what it was for this year, but and that's just in this country. So I think in Europe it was about sixty-one thousand extra deaths yeah. associated last summer alone. And you think that's in that's in U- the UK and Europe? What's it like on the rest of the world? Yeah. So no, exactly. It's, it's it's quite shocking. And I think obviously now we've seen floods as well. I know floods yeah. do happen, but people think when they think of floods again, they think of places in Africa or Asia. Mm. But they happen here, and they're happening with more regularity and being more devastating so um yeah i think it's certainly time to open one's eyes and see see that it's around um could you think of anything sort of that people can do i know obviously it's not all just about small individual actions although of course Mm. they can help as well political actions we're seeing that and that can have more effect of course if, if you take it to a higher level but is there anything that you could think of or recommend that people could do perhaps on an individual level and then perhaps given given your work you know um community-based actions that can help address this or at least educate people about it so then they can look to do the next step yeah i think on on an individual level those three questions that i asked if you you know you can ask ask yourself those every day and you know the ignatian examine as well you know apply those so who um so what what have i how have I depended on nature today or appreciated nature? Who is my neighbour? Um, who, who, sorry, who, who have I relied on today? Who have I depended on today? And um, the, the technology being a link between those 
between those things. So how have I interacted with these people through technology and apply that to the exam in every day is, is a, I mean, I would say that was a, a starting point, this rebuilding your relationship with God through analyzing the way that you are listening to God in your life. Um, I think there's lots of them, there's loads and loads and loads of different things you can do. But in terms of community, this is where the, our Journey to 2030 project, we've built a website which um, really is there to help people envisage what a community of the future could look like. And I think we, we did a study with the Lodalto Sea Research Institute um, and um, St. Mary's Twickenham and really looked at how do you engage parishioners, how do you engage people in ecological actions. Um, and at the at the base of it, we saw that there was this divorce between um, community, individuals and and nature, and a real sense of missing out on something. Um, you know, there was a real sense of longing for community um, and longing for connection with nature. And, you know, this is one way the ecological conversion, this, this, this change to put God back at the centre and all of the relationships in the right place to one another can can happen is trying to build relationships within your communities and trying to build, um, you know, beautiful environments for them for um, for them to flourish. And really, you know, this this goes away from the individualistic mindset and the the need to be individuals, the need to have everything yourself. And actually, I've got a um, I've been really struck with a um, passage from Acts. Um, in Acts two, it says. Um, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as had any need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to the number of those who were being saved. And it, it, it just really, I, I, I feel it's, it's amazing because we're sort of looking for this vision of the future. And what we can do as our communities, and actually if we look back at the original, at the founding church, we can see that they practised a completely different economy that was completely opposite to our, what Pope Francis would call this technocratic paradigm today. It wasn't how do we do things through technology, how do we have everything our own, how do we do things we want to do. It was actually, let's all get together, share everything we have, um, and it was just a, you know, it's it, it's a completely different, different system. So I think I think I think sharing that passage and saying you know actually what, what what how do you want to live? How do because I'm pretty sure that most people, if you ask them how they want to live, it's not necessarily the individualistic lives they're living today. So I think yeah, rebuilding relationships is 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 really key. So not necessarily a technical approach. I think technical approaches can follow from rebuilding relationships, but I think individually rebuilding relationship with God um, and then rebuilding relationships with community and starting there. I think maybe you're right. We do need to take a step back and have a think about how things were done, you know, at, at the time. And maybe that was actually the, the right way to do things um, or certainly a, a different way to do things. And perhaps, you know, seeing what we're seeing now is, is, is not a bad thing. Of course, we, we briefly spoke about or briefly mentioned that COP28 is, is coming up uh, later this month in yep. the first couple of weeks of 
December and you know, we're, we're doing plenty in, in the run up to that, as I'm sure there are lots of groups uh, across the country doing doing similar. Is there anything that you would like to see in particular emerge from, from this conference? I'm sure lots of people have got lots of things they want to see, but is there anything that, that you you know would, would like to see come out of it? Yes, I, th- I think so. I think um, I think what Pope wrote, uh, the Pope wrote in Laudato Deum, is I think I think he nailed it. Mm. Um, but I think um, you know, in terms of an agreement, getting people sitting round, actually talking about the problem, rather than presenting what they want for their nation, but really realizing that actually, um, you know, as the Pope says, everything is connected. And no one is saved alone. Like, we, we need to have a conversation. Everybody sit round. Um, in terms of points, I've got some points. Mm-hmm. I think banning carbon trading and agreeing a limit on the amount of the known reserves of fossil fuels would be amazing. I think banning new exploration for fossil fuels would be excellent. Um, perhaps even an international fund to buy out fossil fuel companies. So if shareholders are the problem, let's um, let's get rid okay. of the shareholders. Um, legally, of course. <laughs> um, and I think some... So I think that all requires, like, massive multinational conversations. And um, But I think some amazing international and national projects that aim to address biodiversity loss are absolutely key. Um, because that's where we have this connection to the earth. That's where we have, um, y- you know, we can we can remember what what we are as human beings. We can, um, and I think giving people their ability to feed themselves is is fundamentally important to this, um, as well as the biodiversity that supports supports life in that way. Um, and also, yeah, having having localized. This is probably speaks speaks very much to the work of Jesuit missions, but having uh, localized decision making and local actors directing the travel of responses on things like ad- adaptation, mitigation, um, and loss of damage, and I think fundamentally a unilateral sit down apology session where everyone can just sit and apologise um, um, and work from there. Really, yeah, I think it would go a long way. You think it's something that you actually think about, but if if you see politicians or you know, even if they're apologising on behalf of other people, like, you know, it, it does have a, a big impact. You know, we've mm. seen that in the past or, or people not doing an apology. We've seen how, how that can have an impact as well. But um, I think it's a very, very important. I mean, they're always, always important, mm. the cops, of course, but this one seems particularly important. I think the timing of Laudato Deum won't have gone unnoticed um, for, mm. you know, people in the Catholic world, but also beyond given Pope Francis's um, standing. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, this is this has all been fantastic stuff, uh, John Paul. I just wondered whether there was anything else that you particularly wanted to add or mention or get across that we hadn't covered. Doesn't don't have to. Obviously, it's just I always like to give people the opportunity to to add something if in case there was something that we hadn't gone across. But if if you think we have that, I, I think I'd have to have my caveat that I'm I'm not anti-technology. Okay, <laughs> I, I I speak a lot about technology. Yeah. And it being bad, but it's 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 not that technology itself is bad. It's again the attitude behind the use of the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that whole um, th- there's the two different 
um, attitudes as the the praise um, or a wonder or the wanting to control and manipulate. So I think that's that's really clear. The technology itself, um, you know, is neutral or not, depending who's who's controlling it and who's using it. And of course, we'll we'll, we'll mention your. Um your charity and the work that you do in our in our description but i don't know if you wanted to let people know where they can find out more um about the 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 um yeah the ecg no, that'd be brilliant um the best thing to visit is our journey to 2030 project website uh which is journey to 2030.org okay yes we'll, we'll, i say we'll, we'll, we'll pop it in the description as well but brilliant. some people we... like to to hear it as well so Brilliant. Yeah, that sounds all good. Well, Lovely. thank you ever so much, John Paul. No, it's, been, it's been fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Um, and yeah, it was all very informative and lots of great stuff in there. Oh, thank you. Good, good luck one. with your work. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find out more about our Justice at COP28 campaign on our website and social media. Find us at jesuitmissions.org.uk and follow us at jesuitmissions on all social media platforms. You can learn more about our guests and their work in the description. See you next time. Thank you.